Welcome to the Legendarium. And what he's looking for specifically, because she says... He yeah, wants to know if he's Elaine's cousin, Basically, right? he wants to know if he's Elaine's cousin, if they're kissing cousins, uh-huh. basically is what he wants to know. <laughs> Ashaman Kill, it's 131, episode 131, Lord of Chaos, uh, and that's Ryan's new tagline. All right, this For is... everything, I answer <laughs> the phone that way now, too. Part, part <laughs> two of our Lord of Chaos discussion. Um, all right, so I'm Craig Hanks, your host, and this is the Legendarium Podcast. Over there, he runs a lot of races, probably to get away from his dark, dark past. It's Ken Johnson. And to run through the meat grinder oh, of yeah, the Ashaman. Right. Uh, and his love of Disney is as unhealthy as the Baconator. It's Ryan Bruckman. But both deliciously full of mouse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was good. Win. That was very Win. good. Wow. And if Facebook ever introduces a dislike button, it'll be because of him. It's Kyle Lemon. I'm actually working on that right now. Nice. All right. All right. So, uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, kind of in a very dickish way at the very end uh you have had to wait a whole week for this episode to come out but uh we're just kind of extending our conversation of lord of chaos right now so uh before we get to that this is uh let's see oh what uh, that's what i was gonna say reddit go to reddit the legendarium.reddit.com and uh, join the conversation there. Subscribe to that subreddit so that we can hang out with you there. And go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. We very much appreciate those who do so. All right. Now, that is the fastest we've ever gotten through the intro, I think. So let's just talk about Lord of Chaos because, as uh, we so dickishly teased the last (laughs) time, we need to talk about Dumai's Wells. So let's do that and see if we can do that in less than 45 minutes because i've got two more voicemails to get to um but let's uh let's let's talk about that old meat grinder uh ken you are the punching guy here you must have loved that chapter so much good punching well not even just that set the scene for us what happened to doom as well okay so um the the good guys we'll call them for lack of a better term finally catch up with the Aes Sedai it's it's why why did they catch up with the Aes Sedai set the scene I will Ken. set the whole scene okay so it all started back in Emmons Field oh <laughs> with a young hobbit all right so so the tower Aes Sedai show up after getting Rand's very firm and emphatic you cannot show up with more than six three 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 okay whatever whatever it was so bottom line they show up with way more they show up with like nine. 13, well, they, 15, they they show 15, up with 15. they show up with nine, and he gets mad. Turns out, twist. They show up with way more than nine who are masquerading as servants. They uh, bind him. They uh, shield him. They shield him, bind him, put him in a box, carry him off to the White Tower to present to Elida. And oh, they're all so thrilled. And in the process, uh, beat him with air, which by the way is still the coolest. Uh, weapon or, or power for uh, the ice or for the, the magic is beating somebody with air. Every time I see that, I'm just like, oh, really? That okay. sounds wicked. All right. I just, the, this concept. Anyway, so they, they, they let him out of the box twice a day to beat him senseless with air and then put him back in the box where he's uncomfortable. 
<laughs> there's that's now, a that's an excellent description of torture. Uh, then we're gonna put you back in the box because you'll be uncomfortable. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna experience some mild discomfort. <laughs> uh, take take two of these a day. The as beatings I, that is. As I cut you're, off, you're about to feel some pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it happens usually with amputations. Right. Uh, okay. Anyway. All right. So in uh, during one of these times where they let him out, he finds out they they've been uh, abusing men. M I N not M E N. And so he goes nuts, kills two warders with his bare hands. They throw him back in the box, continue to beat him, carrying him off to the White Tower uh, where they're going to dance him around like a puppet. The Saladar Aes Sedai and Perrin's group and Matt's group all kind of march after them and catch up with them at Dumai's Wells, where they proceed to teach uh, the Aiel and the. Um, the Shido. The Shido mm -hmm. and everybody. Well, the Shido. Yeah, anyway, uh, they they proceed to just teach the, the Shido and the, the Tower Aja a lesson in uh, don't mess with our dragon reborn because we will come find you. We will come beat you. We have a special set of yeah, skills. Yeah, we have. Exactly. We have a special set of skills. And, and it, it culminates with the Asha men unleashing. Asha we're, we're the Asha men. We'd have to give a little okay, bit of background on that, but culminates with the Ashaman unleashing that special set of skills on the Shido in really vivid, graphic, grotesque fashion. And, uh, and so Rand is free. So Rand is free. Uh, we get to see the Ashaman in action. It's pretty freaking sweet. From, from the moment they start marching and start beating him with air to the point where they mow people down, it's just the wickedest cool. Ryan, how does, how's the do you remember the description of the the meat grinder? Would you like it? About, I got it right oh, here. Do you have it? Oh, I have it. Yeah, let's read it. So, just read it. What's his name says Ashman kill and the front rank of the Shido exploded. There was no other way to put it. Cut and sore clad shapes burst apart in sprays of blood and flesh. Flows of Sidene reached through that thick mist, darting from figure to figure in the blink of an eye, and the next row of Shido died. Then the next and the next, as though they were running into an enormous meat grinder. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> wow. Very wow. vivid. Uh, Makes yeah. you want to eat Sloppy Joes, right? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Actually, I could really go for a Sloppy Joe right now. That I sounds had delicious. Shido Joe, Shido, Shido Joe. Joe. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so they just they mow him down, and then Rand finally says, that's enough, and he closes the... Closes the shield and... Oh, that was uh, one of my favorite bits from the book was when Rand finally breaks through the shield on him. And it's it's just a very satisfying visual moment where well, and, and he's kind of feeling along yeah. the, the seals and he, he undoes one of the knots and another one and another one until he gets to the point where he can basically... He he undoes the shield and he can't channel anything that he can't see, but he can see inside his little box, right? And so then he he creates a bomb out of the box, right? Just air pressure and whatnot, and explodes the box and stands up and like explodes heads or something. I don't. It was it was awesome. I loved I that bit. Free. He starts taking out Aes Sedai, shielding them and like bashing them on the head, like yeah, bop. Bop. <laughs> Bop little bunny foo foo, yeah. little Rand foo. He bunny foo foo on those Aes Sedai because he because Luce Theron is trying to take control and he wants to kill the Aes Sedai, and Rand goes and and shields them and then knocks them out and shields the next one and knocks them out. Yeah. Well, and let's not forget that in his boxy exploding and breaking the shield thing, he stilled three Aes Sedai 
the moment oh, just like right. that yeah. like the 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 amount of force that he put into getting out of that was huge yeah and i also loved the description of him trying to get through it um kind of feeling out and, and undoing the knots because it really emphasizes the point that you can undo things in the power by unraveling the weave but it has to be tied off he couldn't do it when all of them were there constantly feeding it like it's until it's right. a tied off weave it's harder to break it's like that's probably important to know <laughs> <laughs> what why why what just, do you mean i'm just saying it's probably something important to know that's um, how you make mistakes. That's how people get away. The other fantastic part about the sequence is it's the first time that, that Luce Theron and Rand start having conversations. And working together. Yes. Right. It's their buddy cop movie. They, well, they say he says it. We should work together. He's like... Work together. Yeah, okay. Okay. Good yeah. cop, crazy cop from... Right. Yeah. He's like, what's his name? Uh, I think it's Sam from Quantum Leap. Yes. <laughs> and, and Luce Theron is Al. So. Yeah. Okay, talk about a deep cut. <laughs> uh, I I will be very pleased if we hear from a listener who's, who is old enough to remember Quantum Leap. Who's Ziggy? I don't know. <laughs> oh gosh, Quant! I loved that show. Oh, now, man. anytime Rand, if Rand ever says the words, "Oh boy," yeah, we're all screwed. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really interesting in that scene, though, when Rand busts out of the box and he's you know starting to channel and whatever. What's in the box? Tame shows up with his Ashiman. And they surround, they create the dome, and, and everything's kind of safe for that instance. Tame goes over to Rand, offers to heal him, and Rand still doesn't let Tame put yeah. his hands on him. And this is probably... Well, after Alana, yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't I would trust anybody. going to be Tame's warder. But no, he, he, uh, <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably at his physical worst he's ever been in his life. And you... I can't imagine. They always talk about the physical strength that it takes to channel the power, not not only the mental strength, but like the it just takes the energy right out of you. And he's been stuffed in a box for a week and beaten, and he still refuses healing from Tame. So right. That's, yeah. I mean, and he's still able to do what you just talked yeah. about, stilling three eyes to die on the spot, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, and then even after he's at his worst, he still has the power to bind the remaining Aes Sedai that are that are uh, alive or awake. Not just not just the Tower Aes Sedai, but he binds the the um, Saladar, Saladar Aes Sedai, all of them, right there, including the ones that he's buddies with. Says, "Nope, get in the hole." And well, he gives them a choice. Yeah. He says. Um, so Where the tower ones, uh, they're going to the to be prisoners with the the Aiel. Yeah. But you have a choice. You can follow them and go be prisoners with the Aiel, or, or you can swear fealty to me right yeah. now. And that's and that is kind of a big move to because of their oaths, they can't. That's break a it, huge deal to make them swear fealty to you. Uh, the I said I don't do that. I don't remember the exact wording, but he said it's the the, the first nine, right? To swear, yeah. to swear loyalty to the Dragon mm-hmm. Reborn, and uh, the best. They don't maybe say the which best ones. line in the series where Tame says, "Kneel to the Dragon Reborn, oh. or you will be knelt." So you will. It's be just knelt. awesome, so awesome. Uh, this is such a. Do we want to keep talking about uh, Dumai's Wells, or should we take yeah, a there's, voicemail? There's, well, let's let's. We haven't we, even touched on Perrin and the yeah. Thousand Wolves. Perrin and the Thousand oh, Wolves. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, how could I forget? You've got that. all the. You know, he's got. I thought it was really interesting that you could he could only bring the um, spears of the dragon, the Siswayaman or however you say that, Siswayaman, the, head, yeah. the headband guys, only them and only the, the maidens Turtles. could come. 
because Ruark said that too many of the other I I or yeah too many of the other IEO would probably succumb to the bleakness if they had to face Aes Sedai directly. Oh right. And yeah. so that there's a reason that Ruark couldn't bring a hundred thousand IEO when Perrin asked, and he could only bring whatever it was, but maidens and the and this, this is why, is why I'm, I'm on. Yeah. And then Perrin and his thousand wolves. Okay, yeah. so uh, the wolves are so cool. Yeah, why why are the wolves so cool? And because they're wolves. Okay, Ryan, why are the wolves <laughs> so cool? <laughs> this is another example of Perrin, who has been very reticent to utilize his wolf abilities. He's owned it. He knows who he is now, but he doesn't call upon them much for other than scouting or just other information. This is one of the first times he has called upon them to make a major sacrifice. This is where I was going, by the way. Thanks for. Uh-huh. Zero yeah, faith in sure it was, buddy. Whatever. He, <laughs> and I, I always appreciate um, when he's talking to the wolves, the way that they communicate, because I think uh, all he had to say to the wolves was um, "shadow killer." Yeah, they, shadow they killer. caged shadow oh, killer. They caged shadow yeah. killer. And, and that was it. Like, We're on They're like way. game on. And I'm like, oh <laughs> no, here they come. I I didn't really do that, but okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll no, we're not cutting that out. Yeah, I'll live with my shame. If, uh, <laughs> well, anyway, there were there were some moments in the last episode the that that I feel like I would like back, but uh, <laughs> but we're leaving them in there anyway. So um, anyway, I speaking of Perrin, I guess before we get to voicemail stuff, I'll talk about Perrin. I realized about halfway through this book that it had been a book and a half since we had seen Perrin. And there's a part of me and that the listeners know well, the part of me that says, great, screw that guy. I hate that storyline. <laughs> uh, but I realized when he did show up, I was like, oh, great. I I missed Perrin. This is great. Um, glad, except, glad to see you, buddy. And then except it, he doesn't within the within about uh, 20, 30 pages of Perrin showing up, I was ready to tear my eyeballs out uh, just so that I could have something to throw at Robert Jordan's headstone. Um, <laughs> I was so... And what it was was we get this this moment when Rand is in Camelin and he is confronted by uh, a troubling situation with too many Aes Sedai showing up. And he's like... He is seven Aes Sedai, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Seven Aes Sedai, and he's like, you know what? You are violating my commands, and uh, you know I'm kind of scared for what your intentions are. I'm out of here. Yeah, because the, and the seven show this, up, but then there's thirteen in Camelin. Right, right. So right. that really scares him. And so he's like, I'm out of here. I'm not playing this game anymore. Uh, and so here, Robert George is kind of setting up like, oh, it's time to ramp up up the tension. And we need to, uh, we're going to have this situation with all these Aes Sedai and Rand, and it's great. Uh, and then for the next 50 pages, we have Berlane chasing Ugh. Perrin. And I am just screaming at this book going, so why, awful. why, why, why are we reading about this? And I brought this up to Kyle uh, when I was going through this, and, and he said, "Well, you know, it'll pay off." I don't care. I <laughs> hated it. It was it um, was incredibly poor pacing. Can I tell you why you're wrong? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why you're wrong, Craig. That's really um, why we have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the frustration, and that like it's ramping up the tension, and we're like, "Oh, something's going to go down between Rand and I said I," and then. Jordan completely backs off of that. And the reason why I think it's actually a really genius move is because Rand goes to Kyrian 
and he now he has this false sense of like he's in a, he's okay yeah. you know and uh he's decided that he can still kind of keep doing his thing and he even mentions that at a certain point like oh it wouldn't be so bad to live out the rest of my life like this because it's not as intense as it was in Camelin. And he kind of lulls the reader back into that sense of, of security. And then all of a sudden Rand gets kidnapped from the other um, Aes Sedai yeah. from the tower. And the only way to pull that off, I think, is to have that pacing where you amp- you ramp it up, you dial it back, and then you ramp it right back up. And because that's exactly how Rand is feeling and he's taken completely by surprise. And Jordan's doing that to you as a reader uh, as well. Could we have dialed it back? I, yeah. without doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it's fun I, to read, I guess. It's frustrating to dial back, but I would have rather fine. read about the I'll, circus again. I'll take your point about pacing mm-hmm. and I'll back off of that. Okay. But, uh, but the actual events that he uses for that yeah. made me want to. I will agree. I, I, yeah, I'll agree that. with that. I'm not, I, I, Really dislike Vale. I really dislike Berlane and that whole. I actually cat don't. Fight that's going I like Berlane. I like Berlane fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, is she a good person? Well, maybe not. But I, yeah. I do like reading her a mm. lot more than I like reading Fael. I, I would even go so far as to say it's, it's more than a dislike for Fael. I, I just hate her. I hate Fael. Well, <laughs> well, I think that's well established Done. by now. So, all right, let's, let's, uh, before you guys keep talking about other stuff, let's, uh, do some voicemails. So let's see, who do we want to do voicemail from Colton? Uh, here we go. Hi guys, this is Colton from Salt Lake City. Hey Colton. My question is, at the end of the book, the scholar Herod Fell was killed, presumably on the orders of one of the Forsaken, after looking into something for Rand. What do you think he was so close to discovering, and why did the Forsaken want him dead? Thanks. Bye. All right, so... Uh, That's a good question, because I don't remember. I, I Yeah, I don't know what, what he was working on. I What did Rand ask him to look into? Do you remember, Ryan? I know exactly what he asked him to look oh, into. Oh, because you've read ahead and... Well, some of, some of it's reading ahead, but even before that, I, this was, I was like, there's really only one thing Rand needs to figure out right now. Other, than, I mean, he needs to figure out how to beat the dark one, and there's a lot of things there. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> little little stuff. There's, but also, what is the recipe for new there. coke? <laughs> <laughs> he's only uh, in order to do everything that he needs to do. He's got us like a very short checklist of major items he needs to do, and one of those is dealing with. He's, he's got. To, he's got to figure out how to not go crazy. Oh. He's got to figure out how to not to go crazy. Yeah. He's figured out a way to shield himself from the taint or get rid of it or do something. And I'm putting money down on the fact that that's what he's talking to Herod Fell about. Ah, okay. Uh, Kyle, does that track with your understanding up through book six? Yeah, well, I probably should sit this one out. <laughs> um, I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling it. Okay. Um, however, there are definite clues in this book. I think this is a fantastic question from Colton. Thank you, Colton, from Salt Lake City. Ooh, Salt Lake City. Um, but I don't, I mean, if you guys look into it, all I will say is look at Herod Fail's last communication with Rand. 
I gotta uh, go back and okay. read this. Yeah, whole, I'm gonna I gotta have to go back because yeah, I, I gotta read the whole thing. Was that when uh, his last communication? There was like a little note that mm-hmm. he sent, and he's like, "Don't bring the girl; she's too pretty," yeah. or something like that. Okay, so I remember. But I don't. The note. I don't want to talk about anything else as far uh, as that's concerned because I'll I'll spoil it for. No, that's good y'all. to know though because uh, I think I was reading so fast uh, for like the last third of the book that um, I think a lot of those little things kind of went over my head. And so, uh, yeah. Because you do 1.5 on your audiobook. We've had this discussion before. <laughs> I read well, most of it. But. He's one of those characters that, having done this so long, you start to go, I can't put that name in my head because there's just not space for another name. Oh, like totally. That, right? Until I see it show up a few more times. So you kind of ignore him. But the fact is, is like, if I remember correctly, Rand is talking to him about, like, the Corathian cycle, everything about the dragon, what's supposed to happen. Like this is a man that Rand trusts and you got to take that as a symbol that he's going to have to like, he, he needs to talk to this man to figure stuff out. So now that he's gone and the forsaken are like, we can't let him be around. Yeah, I'm curious right. as to what uh, history he had that might've made him so knowledgeable about the stuff that Rand needs. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. Last voicemail from Alfred. I got to crank the volume on this. So Ken, don't say anything. Hello, I'm Alfred from Sweden, and I wondered, why do you think it is that a water bond does not allow Alana to influence Rand as she would have thought it would, and uh, as it probably influences other wardens? All right, so we're back on the uh, oh. kind of where we started at the first of the last episode, which was Alana's bond with Rand, and it's kind of, <clears throat> I didn't realize this until the end of the book, that there was supposed to be a level of compulsion involved in the water bond uh where an Aes Sedai can <clears throat> maybe not force but strongly suggest to the Gaideen that he do something and you see it happen uh, too um at, at the very end, the very end with when, uh, when land when comes land back. Shows back up lands back yeah. um but lands yeah but back. <laughs> why does Looking that drunk not and why does that not work with rand the Aes Sedai, I believe, in Camelin, when they're talking to her about it, have this have this same conversation because um, they ask her, why didn't you make him do what you want, essentially? And they say, well, a man who can channel has never been bonded. bonded so is it that? The other question would be, he's also the most strongly Taviran ever. Um, so it could be that, that the pattern just says no. Um, Alana says that as she tries, it's like trying to uproot an oak tree, like with your bare hands. Um, my answer to this is probably just going to be good old fashioned two rivers stubbornness. (laughs) I'm really uh, using a comparison model here because we've seen this already, not necessarily when land comes back, uh, but when Maureen passed her, set that up and talked to him um, a few books back about when I die, you have to go to this one. Like this is you won't have a choice. Yeah, you, you know that he's compelled to do that. But and when it happens, he almost immediately sets off. But there's still a level of fight in him or whatever against that, that right, deal. Yeah. And so I'm I'm curious as to the balance between your general will and stubbornness against it. Like if you can fight against it, and it's just that thing that just keeps pushing in the back of your head. Um, or if it's a total mind wash. I I wonder if, um, going back to whatever the other Aes Sedai said about this is akin to rape, what she did to Rand, I wonder if the key word is consent. 
because yeah. uh, it, this is something when she's talking about what Alana did to Rand, uh, this is unconscionable. This has never been done. And so that kind of leads me to understand that the warder bond is something that is very important to both people and they want that thing that, to happen, right? And so I wonder if the simple fact that he did not consent to this bond gives him some sort of protection uh, from that compulsion. It could be part of how it's weaved as well. Um, because you look at Brigida, she wasn't really... Right. She was, there was she, no consent that one on that necessity. one either. It was necessity. Yeah. Um, but she does kind of buy in, right? She buys into it. I'm not saying that it's you know it was against her will or anything, but she never gave whatever what would be required for that consent level right um to say to make that work so i'm wondering if it's part of the weave as well that that's what um, i was thinking if you don't have a certain strength of weave to it i was thinking maybe maybe it was hasty he's like i gotta do this fast there some steps were missed and perhaps and i think it's i think it's sheer you know force of will that uh you know rand is all those things powerful mofo so you know what it may just be (laughs) Wow, it made Dig, digging into <laughs> junior high language here. Yeah, <laughs> feeling a little bit roguish tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I need to start wearing pens in my sleeves again. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Um, all right. So now that we've got the, uh, I got questions voice. about that after. By the way, the, oh. Ryan in uh, Ryan junior high. No, you don't want to. Yeah, know. I gotta ask. You don't want to know later. Later. Um. All right. So voicemails. Th- those are finished up. So thank you uh, once again to those who sent in voicemails. If you want to send in a voicemail, go to thelegendariumpodcast.com and uh, click the orange button at the bottom of any page, and that will uh, allow you to send a voicemail just with your phone or the microphone on your. Uh, on your webcam, whatever the case may be. And we want to hear from you. So when you see the next um, subreddit thread go up saying we're getting ready to read whatever the next book is. What's the next book? Crown of Swords. Crown of Swords. When we're getting ready to uh, to discuss Crown of Swords, uh, if you have a question for us, then please consider sending that in by voicemail. I loved it. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it's a good way for us to make sure that we answer your question. But if you can't and you want to write those questions in, I've got some more of those too. So, uh, what are your thoughts on the scene where Avienda offers Min the knife? This is a Reddit question. Do you guys remember this? So... uh, Avienda, or no, I think she offers it to Elaine. Elaine. I I said the wrong. I just said the wrong. They haven't met yet. That's all. Avienda. Um, So she offers Elaine the knife. She meets Elaine and she says, "I have toe because I laid with Randall Thor," and she says, "You can either beat me or she kneels down and and tilts her throat up and gives her a knife and says, or you know, basically you can slit my throat." Um, I really took note of that scene. Um, which which I read before this question ever came up, and I took note of it because there's a little phrase, a little throwaway phrase where Elaine's hand twitches toward the knife, and then she goes, "Well, of course I'm not going to kill you. Of course I'm not." But that hand did twitch toward the knife, uh, and I wondered what was going through her mind when when that happened. I don't know. Possibly, my take on it was Robert Jordan was trying to be funny. Wait, why? 
it's uh, it's the, not funny. It, it, well, it kind of is in, in the sense of sick sense of humor. I know she's sitting there and she's like offering it up or whatever. And for her, it's one of those things like, yeah, she could stab her or whatever, but she, uh, you know, she's not going to do it. So the fact that her hand just twitches a little bit, it's kind of that mm, moment. I don't know. I read it as funny. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that is weird. I did not read it as funny in the slightest. Because I don't think there was any serious intent. The twitch, like it wasn't, it wasn't I, a twitch of like murderous rage. I'm going to go for it, but calm myself down. It was one of those things like, oh, I can't believe this, this little hussy. <laughs> I think it was instinct, honestly, um, because Elaine, I think she even admits it to herself. She's the only one out of the three that has yet to accept that she's going to have to share Rand because at some point, yeah. like for Avienda, she, she gets jealous about it and she doesn't like the idea, but she accepts it and she knows, okay, I, I could, if I can become near sisters or first sisters with Elaine, I could share Rand with her and Min, because she's had the viewing doesn't really like it, but has accepted the fact that she's going to have to, because she well, knows that anytime she views something, it happens. Um, but Elaine has yet to accept it, and I think that that was that's just her gut reaction of she's super jealous. And and Avienda straight up told her like, "Yeah, we did it in an igloo, you know." And uh, <laughs> so she's super pissed. And so yeah, and she, so uh, she'll have a great answer for all those party games, right? You know like, Where's the weirdest place? Well, <laughs> in an igloo, in an igloo in Shanchen. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's how I read it. I rediscovered traveling, and ah, just one thing led to another. <laughs> uh, okay, so I've got another one here. The scene, again, a Reddit question. The scene where Matt meets the three girls yes. again is one of the funniest of this book. Oh my Was goodness. that so for you as well? My answer is yes. Absolutely. I laughed out loud. Um, it also had some other real world reminders, but we can get to that. But uh, you all, you all thought the scene was funny. Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I, <laughs> Ryan doesn't remember it because he's three books ahead. No, I, I wanted to say, no, that's not funny at all. Just, you know, <laughs> Sick sense of humor. Did no anybody's hand anybody? twitch towards knives? <laughs> um, Apparently I've got an Aiel sense of humor, so. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought it was funny. I don't know that there's much to say on the humor of that, just that Matt is a great character to throw into a mix to, mm-hmm. you know, to mix things up a little bit. Matt's well, reactions to everything makes the scene instantly a little bit more light or funny or yeah and i actually think it's naive that's the funniest part of that of that whole scene because they all try to bind him up in the power and he's got his silver fox medallion that they can't touch him with the power and they're all shocked they're like wait what i can't we can't do this and so they don't know what to do and naive because she's so just naive can't can't not do anything so she kicks him in the butt (laughs) (laughs) and that's what she does so that's why you know i think that was the funniest part and that's when he sits her down and she's Mm -hmm. scared of him the rest of the book and he limps for like the next couple of days and he's always like ah that actually that woman that actually kind of goes back to what we were talking about with rand and the ashaman where he says no you do need to train in the sword right Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that's obviously a much more serious version of it but this idea that uh I want to do something. And if you get so wrapped up in I'm an Aes Sedai and I use the power to solve all my problems, then Mm -hmm. if that ever gets taken away from you as an option, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to want those other options, even if it is a swift kick in the pants. Well, we have a perfect example of this and we talked about this between recordings, but let's talk about it on air really quick. In the very first part of Lord of Chaos, after that giant prologue, when we actually get 
to see Rand and Bashir and Tame shows up. It's right before Tame shows up. By the and, way, 78 pages, not a prologue. Yeah. That's a novella. Yeah. <laughs> so it's right before Tame shows up and Bashir makes an attempt on Rand's life after Rand has been practicing the sword and gets clocked in the head. And uh, he, he like throws a knife at him or pulls a dagger on him or whatever. And Rand wraps it up in the power. And Bashir asks him and he says, why? That's all he, that's all he says. He's why are you doing this essentially? Why are you training with the sword? And why are you training with the Aiel hand-to-hand combat or whatever? And the whole reason that Bashir does that is to prove to Rand, you have the power. Like you can use the power to stop me from stabbing you. This is what you should use. But then later on in the book, and to Craig's point, and to Rand's point where he's making the Ashman train in the sword, later on in the book when the Aes Sedai have captured Rand and put him in the box, and uh, Ken mentioned it before, Rand sees Min being hurt, and he's no longer constrained by the flows of air. He's still, you know, shielded from Sidene. But he straight up kills a warder with his bare hands. Did we not talk about this? Disarms him. Yeah, disarms the other one and then stabs the other warder. He kills two warders with his bare hands so quickly before the Aes Sedai can wrap him back up in flows of air. Right. And so... He's a bad man. Yeah, there's definitely a time and place, and Matt is proving it in this scene, to those girls that you cannot rely on the power all the time. And they're always complaining about, oh, we don't need a man to help us like Tom and Julian or whatever. But like if they ran into somebody like Matt and if he were an actual threat to them, there could have been some problems. Yeah. Which is proof that he absolutely could be. And that, uh, by the way, going back that the silver fox medallion, all of a sudden Matt is very interesting to those to those three, because what is this? To Angriol that you have, you know, or to Angriol or, you know, whatever. I'm really hoping that they're. Because Elaine's been studying Tarangriol and she's been able to create the item, Idom and stuff like that. I'd like to start seeing more with her. Like maybe, I know Matt's not likely to let that go, but I want to see her study it. Maybe be able to recreate some more things because that would actually be for Rand, for anybody going up against the Forsaken or going up against anybody facing the power. That would be a huge thing to deal with. And I'm curious if like they wear one, if they can still access Mm -hmm. the power or not. To that that point, how frustrating, I I wanted to see what your guys' reaction was, but for me it was super frustrating and infuriating when Elaine goes up to, quote, ask Matt for his his turn on Grial. She doesn't ask him at all. She goes and she says, but she says, you know, most people think that Turangrial rightfully belonged to Aes Sedai. Yeah. I'm not going to make you surrender it to me. I'm going to allow you to keep this. Oh, but I would, I do require it every night to study, and I'll return it to you in the morning. Right. And it's just like, and I love Matt's reaction when he's like, a tur what? <laughs> and then he's just like, eh, see you later. <laughs> I, I bought this with what's around my neck right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is not this, yours. This I paid is for mine. This. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the things I took from that scene was uh, sort of a real world application thing, and that's uh, a lesson that everybody learns at some point. Uh, now it's not something that we can all take advantage of all the time, but the lesson is a good one, and that's that in in almost any situation where you have uh, negotiation or um, 
you know, any kind of give and take conversation. The key word is leverage. Mm -hmm. And this is a wonderful, wonderful illustration of when he shows up, he has a goal, they have a goal. And uh, those are kind of in opposition to each other. And they think they have the leverage because they have the power. And we are Aes Sedai. We can do whatever you want, whatever we want. And he shows up and they try to channel on him and it doesn't work. And suddenly that table gets turned and uh, Matt has the leverage and he is able to assert his dominance in the conversation. Now, ultimately, he doesn't precisely get his way because there are other forces involved. But I just like that little illustration. When you walk into, you know, whatever it is, a a discussion at work about your pay, or maybe Mm -hmm. it's like uh, you want to talk to your professor about this or that grade or something like that, you walk into that conversation and if you have no leverage, then you're not going to get what you want. You're depending on the mercy of somebody else. And, you know, sometimes that'll work out and that's fine. But, uh, you know, you'd better have a good reason why you're going to get what you want and take mm-hmm. that into the into the situation. Or you might find that the tables have turned. The other, anyway, the I other like real that. world application that I took from it was know what you're going into before you just start spouting off. Because I mean, he goes in there, you guys are playing dress up. You They're going to be so mad at you. Oh, um cool congratulations even though when he finds out that it's the truth he's still kind of like yeah no i'm sorry yeah, yeah just <laughs> yeah, i've known you i've known you too long to take you seriously there's no way you're authority there's no way you're really the omerlin seat right you might be they might have given you the stole but there's no way you're really that they're playing with you the right. i said i are doing their game whatever so to which she already i can knew, help so. you get away you know i'll help you figure that out uh I love the way that Matt interacts with people who are supposedly his betters. Right. Because he just don't give a... <laughs> a what, Ryan? Give a what? <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> there it was. Okay, it was covered in the cough somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it doesn't matter. You're a lord, you're a lady, you're king, queen, whatever. Yep. He's just... He just goes about his business. Yeah. That's why Matt's become one of my favorites. Yeah. All right. Uh, another Reddit question. What are your thoughts on the Loghain situation and did Egwene make the right choice? Speaking of being an Omerlin seat, because uh, there are Omerlins and there are Omerlins. And, you know, is she making the right choice? Is she... Because she basically... So if I recall correctly, she tells uh, Swan to let him go. And... Mm-hmm. You know, and, and right. we can talk about the reasons uh, I think we'll need to to discuss whether she made the right choice. But as the person here who likes Egwene the least, Kyle, did she make the right choice? Yes. Yeah? Um, tell tell actually, us more about what's going I on actually, in that scene. I will say I actually like a lot of what Egwene does in this book. Okay. And, I, and I think I've said that before. It's not that I don't like things that she does. I just don't like her sure. and there's like a lot of face there's a lot of things that she does and the way that she interacts and treats people that i don't like but there are a lot of cool things and and right things i think that she does and i think in this she makes a fantastic point about they cannot gentle Logan again and claim to be supporting rand um it's yeah. way too hypocritical. It's way too counterintuitive or whatever, because if they gentle Loghain and they've been building Loghain up this entire time as their mascot for why the tower is broken, because the reds have been using false dragon to like build up themselves or whatever. So they've, they've planted Loghain as a false dragon. They planted Mazram time as a false dragon and they're using Loghain as this, as this figurehead for this, 
for this piece, they cannot gentle him again and then go to Rand and say, we want to support you as the Dragon Reborn. And so I think she's never going to get the approval from the Hall to let him go. She's never going to be able to convince them not to do those things, so to gentle him. At some point, they're either going to kill him or they're going to gentle him because he can now channel again and he's too dangerous. The only logical explanation or only logical option is to let him go and take advantage of Rand's amnesty. And I really love the interaction between Loghain and Egwene when she asks him, what do you think of Rand's amnesty? And he kind of goes berserk mode and basically says... He would. He wishes he take. He could take advantage of it right now. He burn all the ice, die, whatever. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, do you guys ever find yourselves walking around saying "burn this" and "the light this"? <laughs> blood and, and bloody ashes. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, uh, Ken has proven himself really susceptible to that with uh, Sanderson stuff. Oh yeah. You're, you're constantly rust and ruin all the time. Yeah. <laughs> storm, storming. 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 I say storming all the time. I also we're back with. Loghain, we're at the point in any movie, any you know action film or whatever, where that one tertiary party member gets sucked out a hole or something, just disappears, but they're gonna show up again, like, like Laya, just before, just yeah, before we like get to Laya. the end, they're gonna pop in again and all of a sudden save the group from something, you know, because they have the keys to the truck that lets them get away. Oh, so. oh, you're talking about Loghain? Loghain, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, he's got to disappear so that he can show up later. He, Min has already seen that he's supposed to have some sort of glory. Right. That's He's got to disappear so he can come back in. You know, I have no idea what it's going to be. Rand might be about to be struck down by, you know, the Dark One or whatever, and all of a sudden he steps in and takes the sword for him or something like that, but I don't know. So side note, I, we just had a son five months ago, and we named not, him. Not me and you. We did, together. <laughs> the four of us. No, <laughs> created my, a son and my wife and I. And we named him Logan because my wife would not let me name him Logan. Shut up. And so that's he's awesome. he's wow. half Logan, half Wolverine. As those are the two, you know, that's where he comes from. But she would not let me name him Logan, so we named him Logan. Nice. That's kind of nice. how I visualize Lo, um, Logan, though. As, mm-hmm. as a five-month-old. As a five-month-old. <laughs> yes. As a five-month-old <laughs> yeah. Wolverine. No, kind of the... Uh, a fat baby. A little less sidebursy. Uh, a little more Jackman. rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so he's going to show up like Steve Buscemi at the end of Billy Madison. Yes. There's another deep <laughs> pull for you. Wow. Uh, nice. With lipstick and everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was weird. Um, all right, last Reddit question. How do you feel about the forsaken Aginor and Balthamel who seemed to have been thrown away when killed off? How could they have impacted the story later on? They are brought into play at a point where the forsaken seem like untouchable gods who are feared for a reason. I feel like I know the other Forsaken and their personalities, but the first two were killed off and did not really play much into the story other than an introduction to what a Forsaken is. Uh, so are, you know, at this point in the story, do you regret any of the decisions that Jordan made, you know, like in killing off two Forsaken at, at the end of book one? I, I It raises a question for me. I don't really have any regrets or anything about that or feelings about that, but I do want to know... Those two were portrayed as basically the crypt keeper coming out. <laughs> like they were just falling apart, issues, whatever. And I'm kind of curious if the idea, you know, at the time was that all of these 
um, Forsaken were like that. But when the book series went past the three, it was, hey, we can go ahead and make these the rest of these guys young, sexy, long-living Aes Sedai uh, right. types here. Because um, th- they're the only two that are that way. The rest of them, there's a few weird things about them, but the rest of them are all... In in full flower, yeah. Um, <laughs> they they could be cast on you know like nine hundred two one zero sure, or sure. anything like that. I wonder is it? And I'm just trying to give Jordan some excuses here. Um, it, could it be that they had just gotten out of prison and that you know kind of like the mummy in that Brendan Fraser one where yeah. he's got to like rebuild himself, right? I oh. think it's explained that they were sealed closer to the. To the to the bore to the bore like they weren't quite sealed all the way um, in the prison and so the ta- so that time as the so they turns, were just rubbing up against that tank basically <laughs> they rubbed off from friction <laughs> they're like that <laughs> they're like the noodles to this, out of the Tupperware is, like it's, ah! it's no the so joke, what happened the is the joke that will carry us through twenty eight episodes so what happened is the other Forsaken were sealed away from time. And these were two, they were closer and they could touch time as the wheel of time is spinning. And so their bodies have been affected by time. They are aging. They're aging much slower than a normal human would. Um, but they're aging much faster than the Forsaken that have been sealed away. So the gears uh, of the wheel have been chipping. And so that's why, and that's why they an look actual like. actual answer for this. Yeah. And that's why they look like the dude that drinks, that chose poorly in Indiana Jones. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Uh, Guys, we make good references. (laughs) That's, you know, talk about, uh, you know, 2017 stuff like we did at the end of the last episode. Like, that is pure 2017. Our humor is references, and that's all all it is, really. I was going to say they were like the first couple of video game bosses that are going to come back new and improved later (laughs) in the video game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we're done with Reddit questions. I've got there. There were a couple little like lightning round things that I just wanted to point out. I have really nothing of substance to say about them, but fun stuff. I like little fun things peppered throughout the books. You remember in book four, I think uh, Nynaeve is going through the museum at Tanchico and she finds the uh, Mercedes Benz mm-hmm. um, hood ornament. You remember mm-hmm. that? You don't remember this? She, she's the Mercedes going, Benz. I'm he not says kidding. He can, he, he can she, feel... she finds a three-pointed star in a mm-hmm. circle, and when she touches it, she can feel the what? How does she describe she it? She can feel like greed and and uh, <laughs> and pride, rich, essentially. Rich That's people, funny. basically. Yeah, it's, rich people. Oh, okay. it, he he's describes it much more eloquently than right. than we're remembering, but. Basically, that's the gist of it is like it emanated pride and like, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, there was another little bit when it toward the beginning of the book, Matt is dancing in a tavern um, and he's dancing with one girl and he kind of, Jordan describes what this dance is and Matt is dredging it up from some old memory. The Macarena. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think, I think he's swing dancing. <laughs> Yeah, it, sound, it sounds the, like swing the dancing. way that mm-hmm. he's dancing. I was like, "Oh, they're swing dancing." Mm-hmm. I guess, uh, I guess that's how you get the ladies. So, yeah, guys, pay attention if you really want to get the ladies. Go learn how to swing dance. You need a swing Let's, dance, and, and then tavern let, wenches of the days that, truly love it. <laughs> <laughs> and then let me know how that goes. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anyway, um, and then the other thing that I noticed. This isn't like a callback to real world stuff or anything, but the Ashman pins. That Rand gives out the the one that actually makes you an Ashaman is a dragon, and that's uh, kind of self-explanatory. But the first one is his 
old heron-marked blade. Mm-hmm. And I thought that oh. was uh, just a nice little uh, sentimental call-out to the first few books before that thing got melted away. I missed that sword, and I don't know why. Because it was sweet? Because it was sweet, And it was yeah. from Tam. <laughs> it was Tam's sword. It was always so. sharp. I want Tam to come back. Yeah. I, yeah. I could use a, a, re- a visit from Tam. Tam, Althor, and Abel Cawthon were so cool. Yeah. Did they not come with uh, mm-hmm. Perrin? Well, yeah, somebody had to mentioned. stay back and actually run Hemmons Field. I guess so. Anyway, all right. So we've got some other bullet points. We've got about 10 more minutes left on this bad boy. I have the, the one that I really want to bring up, the, the epilogue. Um, we have let another Forsaken go. We've we've had two of them all on right. leashes, or two of them being held captive at different points, and one died, and now one's gotten away, so... That's going to be problematic. It's yeah. not really much to talk about other than the fact that Mogidian's now free and you've really pissed her off. Yeah. Who didn't and, see that coming? Well, I mean, we knew Mogidian had to be freed at some point. Um, yeah. But the thing from that that was unclear but very strongly hinted at was that uh, the person who freed Mogidian was a man in disguise? It was. Because um, well, what, what's this, her name? This, Halima, is, com- yeah, this is coming back Halima. to the prologue, which... You know, it was a million pages long, and so everybody's like, oh, gosh, but there's, it's jam-packed full of really awesome information. <laughs> um, as those two Forsaken, Agonor and Balthmel, get reincarnated as Arangar and Osengar, mm, okay. mm. one of them is reincarnated as a woman who oh. can wield Sidene. I legit forgot about that. Wow. So, so the first the, transgender woman, person in yeah. fantasy literature. But she can wield Sidene, so she shows up in Solidar, and she they can't detect her using the power because they're all Aes Sedai and they wield Sidar. Huh. Mm. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Read, I, the pl- read the prologue. Uh, seriously. No, that's the thing. Is <laughs> like, go I, back and read. I, I totally um, forgot that those two got reincarnated in the prologue. <laughs> I do. <so. laughs> Same here. No, there's... Um, I think that's what our question was from before. Yeah. Was the Aganorn and, and Balthamel both reincarnated. Right. And now they're at large. I get a lot of comments on Reddit. Or, you know, and, and people are... are nice about it but you know little tongue-in-cheek comments like oh these are the slowest readers in the world you know a book a month come on guys honestly i should be reading it twice as slow because after i finish every book i need to go back and reread the prologue a few key chapters and the epilogue just to be sure that i've got everything and i don't have time to do that so i forget stuff like that i and now that you say it i'm like oh yeah that was really interesting and it really grabbed my attention mm-hmm. but it didn't hold it for a thousand pages unfortunately so and she I'm shows up and, and she basically is talking to is it romanda she shows know. up and she gives her the signs with the thumbs basically saying uh, that she's black jaw right or whatever and uh the yeah, secret so club handshake yeah <laughs> The sign, you know, the Black Aja gang sign. Or How did you spell blood with your fingers? <laughs> but yeah. So, anyways, there's a yeah. Mogidian's gotten free, and uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, other bullet points. You guys have anything else you want to bring up? So, what's our what's our forsaken count? Is it back up to eight and a half? No, that are still alive. Oh, that are seven and a half now, right? Seven and a half, five and a half before. I thought we were six. Who's our half forsaken? Uh, Landfear. 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 No. Oh, that's no, right. No not. brain matter. No brain matter. Got it. So, yeah, I guess it would be eight and a half. Eight and a half alive. Or mm-hmm. Now okay. that two of them have... have uh, but you know that Samael's on a short, short leash because we've been riding that 
coattail for a while to say yeah, two yeah. books probably right? it's it's time for Rand to step into that one and go you know he might be the first I, I would love to see if he, the, he'd be the first forsaken that Rand fails to kill when Ooh. he goes in the first time oh. trying you know but but we need some sort of confrontation we need a confrontation it's got it's got to be coming in book seven that was going to be one of my you know what I'd like to see in book seven um, bullet points but my one of my bullet points was when we first meet Mazram Time, he brings Rand a present. Uh, remind me. Is this the quiz game? I, cause I've <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> what does he bring Rand? I'll take the box. The box. He uh, brings a finger. We talked about know. doing the quizzes, but yeah. Anybody remember what Mazram um, Time gives to Rand? I'm surprised I even remember who Mazram Time is. Oh, he gives him is. a seal. He uh, gives him a oh, seal. Oh, that's right. Leopard and seals, nature's yeah, I was going to say, and, and a club. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, no, but he gives him a seal. So, so where did Mazram Time get a seal to the Dark Ones prison? Uh, that's my question. And, and, and there's there's uh, another another brick in the uh, wall of the idea that he's a Forsaken, because that would be a great uh, way to gain the dragon's trust, right? If you're Forsaken and you have access to one of those things. Mm-hmm. So the dark Maybe. ones just got like a, <clears throat> just access to a few of his seals. Well, like I'm not you, saying you take that it's, one. It's you seal can... replicas like N- Nicholas Cage and his like Declaration of Independence that he buys <laughs> yeah, in the gift shop. Right. <laughs> oh, we got this one at Shale Ghoul gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy behind the counter was rude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, new. There's another seal that shows up with from Mazram Time. So our uh, seal count. We're we're. I, now all I can picture is clubbing, like clubbing baby got, seals. Um, four I'm visualizing Shidar Haran with a hello. My name is Shidar. <laughs> <laughs> that <genre> right here. <laughs> uh, okay. So four, three, three broken. Three broken. Three broken. Rand has three of them now, right? And one unaccounted. And one four. unaccounted for. Okay. Didn't the I thought the Shan Chan had one or had a couple of them or did Rand claim those with Falma? I think he claimed those, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Didn't I don't the girls double check. The girls showed up with one after book three or two yeah, or those five, one of those, actually. Didn't they had one in the wagon at the when they were going to the uh, circus. Mm, it's a broken one now though, right? Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Remember because they opened it back up and there it was broken and they were like, What? What? <laughs> Oops. This is Quindiar. It shouldn't happen. Who didn't wrap this? <laughs> <laughs> Always do the bubble. Wrap I, first. I, I said, keep this side up. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, did we address your bullet point to your satisfaction, Kyle? Yeah. No. Okay. I, like I said, I just wanted to bring it up. We don't have to necessarily talk about it that much. I just it was just a bullet point to cool. throw in there. All right. Any other final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? No. No. Rand has a sister. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he says offhandedly. That's kind of important. Uh, Rand yeah. has a sister. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, uh, so Bearlane comes uh, in, and she has the bundle with. I the, was hoping it was Bearlane, like this was a Luke and Leia situation. Bear, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> has Rand's sword in his dragon belt, whatever. Okay. Um, when they when the Ice Dive kidnapped Rand, and He's she drops it, and she freaks out, and is like they've taken him. Who who does? Bearlane oh, drops Bear the pile because Perrin yells at her. Oh, okay. Because. There's that weird thing going on. Sure. So Perrin yells at her. She drops uh-huh. it. And then Sulin says, Sulin, the uh, the maiden that is serving as Rand's servant for her toe that she has, says, they've taken him. They've taken my first brother. Uh, Which someone actually set me on this trail because, and I don't think it's a spoiler or anything, but someone actually told me, he's like, you need to go pay attention to these two things. 
and specifically to his mother's story because I'm pretty dang sure he has a brother and we've met him. His name is so, Jim. I, I think it's in this book when Rand is talking to it's who's the is it Dylan? Maybe not maybe it's not Dylan. It's one of the other um lo- ladies in Camelin, mm-hmm. one of the nobles in Camelin. Oh, he and brings her in yeah. and he has him tell her the story of Ty- of Tigraine. And he, what he's looking for specifically, because she says... He yeah, wants to know if he's Elaine's cousin, Basically, right? he wants to know if he's Elaine's cousin, if they're kissing cousins, uh-huh. basically, is what he wants to know. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, that's what he's fishing for is she says something about, yeah, well, we're all cousins. And he's like, oh, crap, we are. <laughs> and like she's like, well, if you go far enough back, we are. Like, like And he, he makes her tell him in like, if we if we were peasants, pretend that all the lords were farmers you know how closely related are there and she's like oh well you probably wouldn't be related at all but it comes up with who has the best claim to the throne but rand is wondering is he related to elaine the chick that he wants to get it on with get what on with it It. (laughs) the proverbial it in the igloo he wants to take her to an igloo or a bamboo hut because you know can't do it the same way twice right Anyways, I love that. But <laughs> Ryan's little, explain like I'm five. Yeah, basically explain like I'm five. But yeah, to to Ryan's point, if you follow, if you really look at Tigraine's story and who she's attached to before she goes to become a maiden of the spear, it's a name we've heard before. And it took me a little while of searching or whatever to figure it out. And I would recommend you guys. I know, got to move on to the next book, but take a little time because it's kind of a big deal. Like, um. Rand, just to to nail you know Ryan's point down. Rand's family tree, fascinating. There's even I think I, I'll talk to you after the recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, all right. Well, another, give, another relative. Don't give yeah. anything away from me. I'll, I'll go, go. I'll go do some research. I gotta go read this book again. <sighs> all right, we'd better call it there. But that gives me something to look for. Rand's family tree. Uh, I gotta pay attention to that. Stuff we didn't now. even talk oh. about the infighting in the whites, the children of the the light. Eh, I don't care about the children of the light. Nobody cares about them until they get. We get to the last battle, and they are the front line people that you send out to get killed. The, I don't care about the them. Meat grinders. <laughs> yes, that's the way. That's the way I kind of. They're Asham and target practice, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. That's the way I kind of see them. Is they 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 talk all shadowy and tough and all that, and then they show up and they're dead in two seconds. Like okay. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've got some stuff to look forward to, let's go read book seven. I uh, just purchased it on my Kindle and I've got the hardback waiting for me and I've got my Audible account ready to go with it. So, uh, so I'm set. Now, as for the rest of you, we'll be back with that Wheel of Time episode. I would assume at, at least two weeks, but I would presume more like three uh, to give us time to read it and give me and Ryan some time to... Uh, uh, to review Zelda and whatever else we're going to do. So I will make good soon on my promise of putting up some semblance of a uh, a calendar on the Reddit page. So the legendarium.reddit.com. I don't think that I'll have a strict week-by-week schedule, but probably what I'll do is just list here is the stuff that we know is going to be coming up. So if Todd and I are reading a sci-fi book, I'm not going to say, and we will talk about it on this date, but I will tell you what book we're reading, uh, tell you which games we're playing, that sort of thing, uh, so that you can be somewhat prepared for what we've got coming up. 
Uh, hopefully that'll be a little bit better than the nothing that we've done for you so far. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You're welcome. <laughs> That's right. Don't say we never did. Wait, nothing for you. All right. It takes a lot to produce that nothing. We uh, we appreciate all of you listening. Please share uh, the Legendarium podcast with your friends, your coworkers, your fellow Redditors, your whoever, anybody who you know that enjoys fantasy and sci-fi literature and general nerddom. Uh, and may get a kick out of this go ahead and share it we really appreciate it and thank you so much to our patrons at patreon.com slash legendarium thank you so so much for the support Uh, it means a lot to us we will see you all for the next episode have a good one guys bye bye